We always finish our Monday show with the Courier Mail's chief sports writer in Robert Crash Craddock. He's with us now. Crash, good morning. Good morning, Paul and Jared. And isn't it a tenseness uh, in the air with a, a, a tight major finish that only a tight major finish the US Open can provide? It's uh, extraordinary, really. It's uh, it's a, it, it's a, it's a tense feeling all of its own. Well, it's a tough old golf course, isn't it, Crash? It is indeed, and, and it's funny, I'm going to start today uh, on my underrated being Will Zalatoris. He's just put a ball in the bunker, he's equal leader, but man, he's been underrated, that young lad, what he's done. He's had nine starts in majors, and five of them, he has finished eighth or better. Now, that's extraordinary. Um, he may be one of these guys that just can't quite get the job done, like he's got three holes to go here now. Can he get it done or will it be another teasing, taunting second or third? But that is great golf. And I saw his caddy say yesterday that he's a genius at working things out. And he must be because these courses are hard. You don't hit the major circuit like that. Think of that. Five top eight appearances in nine goes. At, at, in your first nine at the major, it's it's wonderful. And, and the other underrated, Paul, oh, I love the toughness of the US Open. I mean, seeing Cam Smith... Uh, become overwhelmed with frustration. Normally he's so cool and snap his lob wedge. I couldn't believe it. But uh, this is the US Open. It's meant to be tough. Makes for more exciting viewing, doesn't it? Uh, when you've got a compressed scoreline there rather than having the you know 16 and 18 unders. You're so right, Jared. And do you know what? I don't reckon the, US Open, uh, the PGA in America really get that. There should be more courses like this where people say, oh, you know, holes known as the blue monster, uh, you know, and, and that sort of thing because people love watching the big boys struggle. Sure, we all love a birdie. We all love an eagle. We all love seeing a, a par four driven in, uh, uh, driven off the tee just occasionally, but it's the struggle that's so captivating. I saw Rory McIlroy completely used it, lose it yesterday with a duffed bunker shot. And he just looked like any weekend hacker. You could not look away. Gee, it was good entertainment. <laughs> and Crash, we've heard John Rahm and Justin Thomas as well after uh, failed shots. Some of the stuff they've been saying to their caddy. And it's, it's exactly what you say to your golf buddies uh, uh, when you're playing around amongst them. It's It's... Total frustration. Yeah, it, it is. And I remember uh, Lee Jansen, who uh, won the U US Open, and he said, you know, that's the skill of the US Open, being able to move on quickly, except you're going to look like a weekend hacker on certain holes, leave the bogeys behind you and just don't beat yourself up. He said, you know, everyone talks about, oh, you've got to learn to get out of the bunker or thick grass. He said, it's a test of temperament as much as technique because conditions aren't perfect. They don't want perfect conditions. They, they want to grab your soul and shake it around and say, what do you got, pal? So, and, and, and so it will prove today, um, you know, that, that those that have buckled under the strain of that sort of pressure are just not on the leaderboard. Well, Will Zilatoris was your underrated and perhaps he might get the money anyway, but what about overrated? Parramatta's celebration after beating the Roosters. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're so hot and cold, but when they win, they celebrate as if they've just been announced as, you know, the... Uh, it was like when Sydney were given the Olympics. It was that sort of celebration. Sorry, you've beaten the Roosters, you know? And, and I, 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 
I, I love seeing a team celebrate and, and uh, uh, you know, enjoy their victories. But they've got to be all about consistency now, Parramatta, if they're going to get that premiership that's eluded them since 1986. And I just reckon their highs are too high and their lows are too low. I want to see them come out after a win against the Roosters and say, right, boys, we're about a third of the way there. Let's get some big scalps now. <laughs> Crash, uh, yeah, we had Brent Reid on before. Yeah. You, and he really was talking about the state of panic from New South Wales. Mass changes from game one to game two. Not a lot of uh, uh, injuries there to do so. He felt it was an admission by New South Wales that they just got the selections wrong for game one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought I thought a very similar thing. And I love this. Uh, I heard reading, I, I love the narrative of this. This is an old-fashioned Queensland-style scenario, isn't it? Where Queensland, okay, they've had to make a couple of changes, but they're, they're all about loyalty, stability, getting the team together, bonding them, looking after your mates back. And as soon as you can get that uh, rip New South Wales selection plan apart, it's major progress. And I, I think Freddie's looked at this and thought, gee, we're really going to struggle to win in the third game at Suncorp Stadium. We've got to jump now. So I don't want to die wondering. I don't want to make the changes for the third game. That I was going to make uh, for the second. That you know, I don't want to be one game late in all my changes. But I thought Katoni Staggs could easily have stayed in that team, and, and and the reason being that he's such a competitor. You know, it, when he has a bad game, it's invariably uh, followed by a good game. And he did look a little bit overawed to me, but many do on their state of origin debut. And, and we think that just because New South Wales are playing at home, that they would find it easier to settle in and their origin debut, but but it, it's, it was a packed house, and Queensland just came at them. They had no time. Even Staggs looked rushed. I, I would have, uh, you know, I would have stayed with him, and uh, sure, you know, they've gone for guys like Matt Burton, who'll kick those giant towering bombs unto, up into the windy sky in Perth, but, yeah, I, I still, major victory for Queensland. I agree, in the selection room. Crash, well, Will Zelatoris has just dropped a shot at the, the 15th, that one he put in the bunker. He had a very long putt to say par, he's missed it, but Matt Fitzpatrick has birdied the same hole, so it is now a two-shot league. Matt Fitzpatrick at six under, and Scotty Scheffler and Will Zelatoris at four under. Now, he won the US Amateur as an 18-year-old on this course, so he could be one of the few players that can win a US Amateur and US Open on the same course, but obviously years and years apart. And his young brother is there in the gallery, and he actually caddied for him at that US Amateur. He's with mum at the moment, and she's rather happy, but looking very nervous at the same time. Yeah, I just saw the shot. It's a... Uh, look, he's been a steady golfer, hasn't he? He's highest world rankings, number 15. He's won seven professional events, which is solid, uh, but not absolutely outstanding. And his highest finished in a major, was tied for fifth at the PGA Championship. So he's never set the majors on fire. It's been a steady rise. But I tell you what he does look. He looks cool and calm, and there's a few who don't. <laughs> so it uh, be a major victory for him, wouldn't it, in every sense. Uh, you know, he's been building to this for a long time and turned professional eight years ago. Uh, now, getting back to those changes for New South Wales crash... It's taken Queensland off the front and back pages. The focus is clearly now on the changes. Is it panic? Uh, are they a better mm. side? Are they not? Queensland have got to love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, 
you notice because Freddie Fittler is so popular in New South Wales, media critics tend to get behind him uh, rather than criticise him. So the, the, I was looking through the, the, the papers this morning and, and people, I, I thought, I was with in Reedy's camp. I, I was shocked and I thought it was, was a panic measure. But there's not a lot of that in the papers or feeding, coming down the, uh, the airwaves from Sydney. So people will give him a chance. But, gee, I sense a chance here for Queensland, Jared. I know everyone says, oh, Queensland have got a game up their sleeve. They can win at Suncorp Stadium. But put it in the bag. Get it in the bag. You know, they're, they're playing well. Their guys are in form. Um, OK, sure, they've lost Cotter, Ruben Cotter for this game, and he's a tackling machine. But, you know, they've still got Munster, Ponga. They've still got Ben Hunt playing well. You know, Harry Grant. I mean, gee, this is... And the fact that they lost so badly in Perth a few years ago, to me, in a way, is almost a bonus. Because you can sort of say, let's not... Yeah, boys, we, we, we can't be sleepy at the start like we were then. We've got to get out and amongst them. Crash, uh, looks as though Murray Tuolungi will come in for the injured... Xavier Coates, and we're hearing Jai Arrow will start at in the number 13 jersey with Ruben Cotter being out. We had Jason Demetrio. I've got, got some mail on that. Yeah. Uh, Pete Bedell's just posted on Twitter, and he's normally all over this sort of stuff. Uh, Lindsay Collins to start for the Maroons. Maroons. Um, Big Tino replaces Cotter at lock. Jai Arrow and Pat Carrigan on the bench. Okay, on. There you go, Crasher. Yeah, well, I'll I, I tell you something. Everyone said... What a brilliant game Pat Carrigan had in the last Origin game. And he did. But I reckon his worth was accentuated by the fact that he came on after about 15 minutes of sheer ferocious combat when some of the forwards were just tiring. And I reckon that gave him a chance to just think, right, you, I can hear you blokes sucking in the big ones. I'm off here. And uh, he ran with, with Trump. And, and I love that. Let's do it again. That's what he's doing. He's off the bench. Uh, Lindsay Collins was terrific, wasn't he, in, in the first Origin game, coming on at roughly the same time as Carrigan. So, yeah, that, that's that's good. Um, they they seem to... to uh, it's a little bit of a shake-up, but it sounds like like a solid plan. Um, I, I, I And, and Tuolagi, of course, plays outside Valentine Holmes for the Cowboys. So they, they've, got, they've got that combination nicely sorted. I'm so glad you gave the Cowboys a wrap with Brent Reid because those three tries in three minutes, they scored uh, on the weekend to beat Manly away from home was the most spectacular rugby league of the season. I mean, that was just barely believable what they did. It was amazing, wasn't it? And it just... The Cowboys and the Broncos, the story behind their stories this year, if you work to yourself to the bone fitness-wise, Paul, you mentioned it and it's true, you can, fitness means alertness, it means you make better decisions, it means you don't snatch at the game, it means you're more patient. Fitness is everything. And Dave Donaghy, the boss of the Broncos, I know he was red hot on it during the off-season. He said, I'll tell you one thing we're going to be next season, we're going to be fit. And uh, it's un- it's underpinned Kevin Walters and it's underpinned Todd Payton. Well, Bronx had a lot of players out on the weekend and Tyrone Roberts was starting there in the halves for the first time and we were lucky enough to have him on the show the day before and he was so eager to get out there to team up with Ezra Mam. And, yeah, they lost Crash, but they, they weren't flogged and I-, I think Broncos fans took a lot out of it. 
Oh, Paul, I, I, I thought it was more impressive than some of their wins. You know, 16 all at half time, um, and, and they were in everything. And I did a story this morning. The total cost of their spine, Billy Walters, Ezra Mam, um, Tamare Martin, and Tyrone Roberts, was less than $500,000. Like, and much less than $500,000. Penrith's spine cost $3 million. And they say spine wins everything in rugby league, doesn't it? Well, Kevin Walters has fielded this cut price spine and threatened Melbourne. I mean, it's a good achievement. It really is because that is rugby league's version of defying gravity. If you can feel a $500,000 spine and somehow match it with the big boys, it's a fair... And I heard that Roberts interview and it was so much different to a player who would have been coming in two years ago, wouldn't it? There would, you would have heard oh, the dread right, in his voice. Chalking, you would have geez. heard that, yeah. He he couldn't wait to get out there. And it's I think the whole Adam Reynolds thing has just changed the club. I even heard Craig Bellamy say after the game, you can see that he's doing, his influence is still sort of on-field coaching, even though he wasn't there. Yeah. It's paid off through the whole team, the whole club. Yeah, they just need someone to switch the lights on, didn't they? And Reynolds did that. And it's terrific that they're playing well without him because eventually they're going to need to. And... Like, they've had something, would it be four? It's something like they've played four games without him and won three. It might be three and one, two. But certainly they've really raised their dukes when he hasn't been there. It's been, it's been terrific. But he's just switched on something inside them. So, um, and, and, and that's great. We're seeing them, guys wanting to come into the team, not coming into the team with dread and fear and with their eyes looking at their bootlaces like they were two years ago, Paul. Crash, last night we saw Australia uh, beaten again by Sri Lanka in the 50-over form of the game. Does, does it really matter? Yeah, good question. I have to say, these bilateral series, one country versus another country, if they're not in the World Cup, Jared, gee, they're, gee, it's hard to engage people these days. It really is. I mean, you boys grew up when uh, the tri-series in, was the part of the summer. Three teams for two positions in the finals. When you look back, it was pretty lightweight, wasn't it? Like, you know, you'd have three teams playing for a month and a half for two spots in the final. Yeah. Uh, but it sort of worked, and it just sort of grabbed your attention. Now, oh, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I just... Uh, it just doesn't have a lot of context. The teams seem to be floating, playing half-strength teams. Not, not half-strength, but not enough full-strength teams. It, it is a worry. They've got to somehow put a sharp edge in it. I don't know how they do it. Also, Crash, uh, when we were growing up, the only overseas cricket we would see would be from England. We didn't see any of these tours into the subcontinent at all. And I think now uh, yeah, what we love about you know, Fox cricket is that we've got cricket yep. 24 hours, seven days a week. That's another drawback. We can just watch cricket all year round. There's no off-season now. Well, I, it, and on Fox Sports the other night, I was flicking around vigorously between England versus New Zealand and Australia versus Sri Lanka, both on the box. Now, there was a time when you couldn't watch either. And, and I, I agree, Paul. It's just we're spoilt for choice, aren't we? And I, yes. I often turn on Fox Sports. It might, might be a routine Wednesday night, and there's live, live, live. And this is a, you know, a faceless Wednesday night in the middle of winter. So you're right. Um, the Big Bash is interesting, guys. There's a push to privatise it, to sell the teams. Um, they've got to find some more cash. 
I mean, Chris Lynn's one of the highest, was one of the highest played players in the Big Bash on around two hundred thousand dollars a season. That just doesn't cut it anymore. If you're gonna, if you're gonna lure the big names to the Big Bash, you want to be playing two and a half times that because that's what they're playing in the direct rival tournament in the United Arab Emirates, which is just about to start. So, yeah, so it's uh, they've got to find some cash from somewhere. Is that the answer? I think so, Jared, because. I was when the Big Bash started more than a decade ago. James Sutherland said, "We're not selling the teams. We want control of the competition." I supported that. I reckon it was fair enough, and it worked. It did work for about eight years. However, uh, I, I, you've got to move with the times. That was when there was only a couple, a few. T uh, Twenty competitions now they're everywhere. You've got to get more money into the competition. You really, really do. And, and by selling it, you can do that. There's big Indian companies ready to go. You might align with the Broncos. You, you might have the you know the Broncos. You, you might have Collingwood team in Melbourne. Uh, it could have a an Indian Premier League. The Knight Riders based in 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 Adelaide. And I know it's not perfect, but I think uh, you you. You've just got to move with the times. Who would then own the player's contract? So mm. if, you, if you were were signed with the new Brisbane Heat team, if they were an Indian owner, would those lads not be allowed to break that contract and go play for Australia during the uh, the domestic summer? Oh, no, that would be all factored into it. You know, you, you'd have to, you know, you, there, there's no way that they wouldn't be... Uh, but th- they have their own independent organisation, which they do with the 100 in England. It's not run by the ECB. They put someone separate in charge. Everything funnels towards the Australian cricket team. You still have that. Y- you know, you-, you must still have that. But hopefully the competitions wouldn't overlap that much. But, uh, but, 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 uh, no, the- Australia would still rule. That would be part of it. But I think, uh, you could be fairly selective for the rights you give them, but, uh, it is time for private ownership, I do agree. Crash, we've only got three minutes till the end of the show. We've got to talk about this because Jared and I have this morning and Friday as well. How bad is it looking for netball here in Australia? Uh, poor. Like, they've overspent poor and, and, and they've lived beyond their means. And if uh, they can... Look, it's not 30, 40 million or anything like that. So they can trade their way out of it. But... The Super Netball competition, 90% of the television rights goes to the players. I mean, goodness me. In cricket, it's about 27%. I mean, and cricket are still running pretty poor at the moment. So they just got their sums wrong. They live beyond their means. They overspent. And, uh, you know, it's a message to all these growing sports that don't get ahead of yourself. Crash, we've been talking about Wise the words. we've been talking about the U.S. Open this morning. What do you think uh, is going to happen at the end of the day with Greg Norman's Live Golf Group? Mm, great question. I, I think that uh, that there'll be they will cause a major impact in the world of golf. They will sign more players, and that the European Tour will be far more sympathetic to them than the US tour, because a lot of these guys like Lee Westwood, Poulter, Garcia, they're icons of the European tour, and they want them in tournaments over there, Paul. So I can see them playing their own 14-event uh, tour, plus maybe a major or two and a couple of events. But the big question is, if they can't get world rankings, 
all of their players will eventually fade out of them. A lot of their players will fade out of the majors. Crash, it's always a pleasure to chat to you each and every Monday morning. You enjoy your week. We'll catch up later. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Bye.